Here we go. It's Bible study, law and gospel on this Wednesday, October the 27th. I'm sorry, October the 26th in the year of our Lord, 2022. And what we have been doing on Wednesdays is taking a look at the book of Proverbs written under inspiration of the Holy Spirit by Solomon. Today is going to be interesting because it has a lot to say about rulers in the country. Yes, the book of Proverbs. And as we go through it, we will see the insights that the Holy Spirit has for us to recognize who are faithful leaders. It begins in chapter 14, and we're going to be looking at verses 26 to 35. Wise ways in which to live. Verse 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. Now, what is that talking about? Well, in the fear of the Lord, and the word Lord is all in capital letters, which refers to the name Yahweh that Moses received on Mount Sinai when God told him what his name was. I am who I am. Now, why would you want to fear the Lord? Well, stop and think about it. When you were a child, did you fear your parents? And the answer is yes. We did fear our parents because they would discipline us if they were properly Christian in order to help train us in the ways of righteousness. And so if we did something wrong, a lot of times we try and blame maybe a brother or a sister or somebody else because we feared them. They had the right to discipline us. In the same way, remember how Luther's commandments all begin. We should fear and love God. In other words, that fear is an understanding that God could take us from this world and not even take us to heaven. So we look to God with strong confidence because of our fear of him. And what does that mean? It means that our children will have a refuge. In other words, the fear of the Lord on the part of a parent will benefit the children because as the parent is living according to God's Holy Spirit and teaching us to do so, then that means the children will have a proper understanding of God's attitude. In fact, verse 27 goes on. The fear of the Lord, again, referring to that, is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Now, the best example of that would be Jesus meeting the woman at the Samaritan well. You know, she would come at noon to get water because, of course, she was 
somewhat humiliated that she was living with a person who was not her husband. And the fact is that Jesus said that he is the water of life. I have something for you to drink. You'll never be thirsty again. He was talking about spiritual drink. He is the fountain of life. This is why baptism is so important, because we receive baptism with the water of life. Why? So that we will turn away from the snares of death. A person will be free from eternal death. And why is that? Because in baptism, you receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is how Jesus Christ is the fountain of life, that we will turn away from the snares of death. Verse 28, in a multitude of people is the glory of a king, but without people, a prince is ruined. Now, what is that verse talking about? It's really talking about in the civil realm. A multitude of people refers to a large population. And if a ruler has a large population of people who follow his advice, he receives honor and glory of a king. We, we can kind of go through the various leaders in countries and make a decision as to whether or not they're receiving honor or glory. For example, today in North Korea, there is much starvation, and that is because of the various rulings of the leader of that country. So he does not have the people really behind him. And that's what the second part of the verse means. Without people, a prince is ruined. That was obvious during the time of the French Revolution, where leaders in the country were beheaded by people who did not like them. And therefore, the leaders did not receive glory and honor through a great population, but apart from that population, the leadership is ruined. Verse 29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Now Solomon knows what he's writing about there. He had two women come to him. Each of them had given birth to a child, but a child died. And both women said that the remaining child was theirs. She was the mother of the child. Now Solomon could have been angry at them, but he 
was instead slow to anger. That means he was patient with them, and he had great understanding. Great understanding refers to understanding things the way God does. And so what did Solomon do? He said, okay, if both of you claim that the child is yours, we will cut the child in half and give part to each woman. Now, one of the women said, okay, that's fine with me. And the other woman said, no, no, no. Let the child live and give her to the other woman. See, Solomon had great wisdom and understanding to realize who the true mother was. The true mother did not want the child to die and was willing to let the other woman have the child rather than bring death to that child. And so he gave the child to the woman who said, no, do not kill the child. In contrast to he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. That's an example of David with Bathsheba. He really enjoyed Bathsheba when he saw her on a roof and he was impatient because what happened is she had become pregnant and therefore David said, "Uh oh, we better make sure that the husband is thought to be the father. So he called them back from war, but because he was in war, the husband uh, refused to do anything with Bathsheba, and David had to end up putting him to death. He had a hasty temper, and that exalted his folly. And the word folly can be understood as stupidity. It's not stupid in the sense of a person not having a high IQ or good knowledge. It's stupidity in not understanding God's ways. And when you don't understand God's ways and you go against God's ways because you are hasty with your temper, guess what? It results in folly, stupidity. And that's what the prophet said to David when he came to him. Verse 30, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. So what's a tranquil heart? Adam asked, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. See, that's a prayer that was answered for Solomon, where at the beginning of his ministry as king, he had great patience. He had a tranquil heart, and he was a great ruler. But envy makes the bones rot. Now, the word envy can also be translated as jealousy, You know how many movies you see where someone is jealous because a friend has a nice house, maybe a nice family, has a lot of possessions, and is rich, 
and so you become jealous of them. At times, that will lead you to speak ill of them, and it makes your bones rot in the sense that it's difficult at times for people like this to fall asleep at night because all they can think about is the jealousy they have against someone else. And that's what it means. It makes the bones rot. You don't get enough rest. You do, are not comforted by the word of God. With a tranquil heart, that gives life to the body. But jealousy makes the bones rot. Verse 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults. Now, what would you think that would say? insults the poor man, but it doesn't. It says, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. Why is that? Because God is the creator of everyone on earth. Everyone comes through Adam and Eve. And therefore, when you oppress a poor man, you're insulting God himself. But he who is generous to the needy honors God. So this is a way of understanding the Ten Commandments. There's a double summary of the Ten Commandments, which Jesus tells the lawyer who comes to him asking the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what is your reading of the commandments? And the lawyer says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And then the second part, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, of course, he thinks his neighbor is his fellow Jew. And then when Jesus brings in the story of a Samaritan helping a fellow Jew, that really bothers the lawyer because Samaritans were hated by Jews since they had intermingled with Canaanite, had married women who were not part of religion. And therefore, Samaritans were looked down upon. But here was a Samaritan who was generous to the needy one, and he was honoring God. Remember, a priest went by, a Levite went by, and they passed by the man. Why? Because they had rules that if you ever touched a wounded person or someone who was near death, you were not allowed into the temple proper without a whole bunch of cleanliness rites to go through. So they just passed by him. And therefore... They were oppressing God himself. But he who is generous to the needy honors God. Verse 32. The wicked is overthrown through his evil doing, but the righteous finds refuge even in his death. Now, what is the wicked? who are overthrown through evil doing. Take a look at leaders in a country. Are they evil? 
when they're evil, they have particular points of view that are contrary to the will of God. They may think that abortion is okay, that homosexuality is not a problem, that marriage between people of the same gender is permitted by God. Why are such people overthrown through their own evil doing? The word overthrown means to bring down. They lose honor and glory as Christians realize that they are not following the will of God. In contrast to the righteous who finds refuge even in his death. Now, believe it or not, there are a number of so-called Christian theologians who do not believe that the Old Testament teaches life after death. Well, this is one of the verses in Proverbs where it definitely talks about life after death. But the righteous finds refuge even in his death. What does that mean? Well, we are beset by many problems here on earth. Earth becomes a veil of tears. So when a person who is a Christian leaves by death, his spirit immediately enters into the presence of Jesus Christ, awaiting the day when his body on judgment day will be rejoined with his spirit. The righteous finds refuge even in his death. That's a promise of life after death. 33, verse 33 of Proverbs 14. Wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding, but it makes itself known even in the midst of fools. Now, that's a verse where there's a lot of controversy because the word fool in Proverbs always refers to an unbeliever. Well, if a person is an unbeliever, how can wisdom be made known to them? Well, the answer to that, which I agree with, is that wisdom can be recognized even by unbelievers, but it is not able to be appropriated. It's not able to be used by an unbeliever. An unbeliever who is a leader in a country may not have the wisdom of God and may be for all kinds of sinful behaviors, and he okays them. But he does recognize a man of understanding or discerning. In fact, sometimes he may even appoint such a person in a position of authority in the country. But he himself is not able to appropriate that wisdom. He cannot use that wisdom. He is blind to it because as an unbeliever, the Holy Spirit is not within him. And therefore his decisions are always 
what he thinks is best for his people. That can occur even in a family where wisdom would rest in the heart of a believer. But an unbeliever, as a parent, does not have that wisdom. But it may become obvious to him that there are people who are very wise in their advice and their decisions. So he may definitely appreciate that, but he himself does not have the gift of having proper understanding. Verse 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. What's that talking about? Well, this means that righteousness and a person who is a Christian and attempts to follow the will of God can make a huge difference in a country. But if he is for public sin, he becomes a reproach to the people. That is, he becomes a shame to the people. Why is that? Because they love to imitate the leaders in a country. And so if a leader in the country is for unrepentant, sinful behavior, they'll follow that. And this is why it was so important that the Supreme Court has ruled that abortion is an error. It's false. And therefore, it helps people to understand that this is part of the will of God. But leaders who continue to think that abortion is okay, they become a reproach to the people. They are an example of folly because they put their subjects, their citizens, into condemnation as the citizens attempt to imitate the leaders. You, you can imagine how a leader in a country wants to be imitated because people think, well, if the leader believes this, this must be what is true. And they will back him up by following his sins, thinking that they are okay when they are not. Verse 35, a servant who deals wisely has the king's favor, but his wrath falls on one who acts shamefully. So a servant who deals wisely means this is a servant who has insight. He has advice that the leader appreciates. And therefore, he is in the king's favor. Now, this word favor is also the Hebrew understanding of grace. 
Normally, when you talk about favor or grace, it's always about God's favor towards you, his grace. This is one of the few verses where the favor comes from another human being. So a servant who deals wisely has the king's favor because the king appreciates insights that help him to rule properly. But the servant, the wrath of the king will fall on him if he causes shameful acts on the part of the king. And we've seen this, where the kings of Israel and Judah, few of them were righteous in the sight of God. And therefore, those that were righteous, their wrath would fall on others who acted shamefully. You had some very good kings in those countries who would destroy idol worship and get people to believe in the one true God by sharing with them the wonderful message of Christianity. And that message is in the Old Testament. In fact, when God allowed the people of Israel to return from Babylonian captivity back to Judah, he set up a pastor or a great religious person named Ezra who was able to interpret the Hebrew and translate it into the Aramaic, which the people spoke. And he used also Jeremiah to help construct a better city in defense against enemies. So God deals wisely with those who are the king's favor, but his wrath falls on those who act shamefully. That's Law and Gospel, and we'll continue with that study on tomorrow's Law and Listen Gospel. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.